Hello and welcome to Cloud9Fin, a podcast on all things leverage finance. We follow corporate debt from issuance to redemption, credits from performing to distressed, and everything in between. I'm Bianca Boro, and today I'm sitting down with Owen Sanderson, one of our reporters here at 9Fin, to talk about Thames Water, which has been in the news over the past two weeks over its overflowing £14 billion debt pile. Thanks for joining us today, Owen. Pleasure to be here, Bianca. So to set the scene, we saw Thames Water in the news from the back end of last month over speculation that the government may need to step in to take over the company. It was looking to raise £1 billion from its shareholders, which coincided with its CEO resigning. This caused the group's Holco high-yield bonds to tank 30 points to the mid-50s. This week, however, we've seen some good news with its shareholders providing £750 million of funding which have sent the bonds back up to the 70s. I mean, essentially, Thames Water is a monopoly serving a quarter of the UK population. Owen, how do you think it got into this mess? The first thing I'd say, to push back slightly, is is it really in a mess? Um, so the basic stats, the company is worth 19 billion, according to the regulatory asset value. It's got 14 billion of debt. That doesn't seem so bad. As you say, it's a monopoly. It's got a business plan. It's got very long-term uh, debt for the most part. There's no immediate trigger. The company itself says it has 4.4 billion of liquidity. Uh, you can argue about that exact figure, but it certainly has a lot of near-term liquidity. There's no near-term maturities. There is no trigger that's going to collapse this company. The basic question is really, are the share- shareholders putting in more equity? How much equity and when? And this rumor, press speculation about nationalization. So it's kind of a storm in a teacup. It's come come out of rumours and a fight over equity injections. There's no trigger to bring this company to collapse in the near term. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and you, you've written some pieces uh, this week, well, more like the end of June, um, on Thames Water when the, the bonds were tanking. Is there a specific reason why the market reacted this way? Well, I think we have to really distinguish the Holdco bond, which... Uh, as you said in your intro, absolutely fell off a cliff um, when those stories came out from the Opco bonds, uh, which were a touch wider and have, have come back in. Um, Thames Water has has a structure called the whole business securitization that's you know been in the news a, a lot lately. Since well, let's back up there a bit. What is whole business securitization? <laughs> um, I hate to say it's exactly what it sounds like on the tin, but it kind of is. So instead of packaging up a load of mortgage loans or corporate loans or or whatever, some kind of financial asset, you package up inside a securitization, a whole whole entire functioning business. Um, In this case, a water company. So essentially it gives the bondholders a very direct recourse um, to, to that company. They can put the company in administration and run it in administration for the benefit of the bondholders. Um, it's a very creditor-friendly structure. It really only exists in the, the UK. is the only European jurisdiction where it's widely used, but it's, it is used widely. It allows basically a high leverage point um, within that. But one of the cool or uncool things about it is it can be very hard to get money out of the structure when things are performing quite badly. So the high-yield bonds rely on money coming out of that structure, uh, which in any kind of negative scenario is whether that's nationalization or a big slap on the wrists or penalties or some kind of political intervention it's going to be very hard to pull money out of that super protected whole business securitization structure and if you can't pull money out of that structure those bonds don't get paid 
there's some liquidity i think 18 months or so that's held outside the structure so they get coupons but they're not going to be repaid if you can't get dividends out of um the wbs okay um and i guess the other debt didn't react for that reason right yeah pretty much i mean no one likes a bad headline for an investment they're involved in but yeah, fundamentally, the bonds that are inside the whole business securitization are uh, secured against the trophy in- infrastructure asset of of the United Kingdom. Um, the LTV is kind of high, but it's not that high for a utility. Um, and it's not going anywhere. There's a good amount of coverage. They are going to get paid. Um, yeah, pretty much whatever. Th- those bonds are pretty safe, I would say. Okay. And I mean, inflation also has had an impact on Thames Water's debt payments. Can you tell us a bit about that? Uh, Sure. Water companies have always historically issued a lot of inflation-linked debt. They're the biggest sort of suppliers of that asset class other than the UK government itself. Um, And they've always linked it to RPI, Inflation Retail Price Index, um, because that's the sort of historic inflation measure in the, in the UK. It's the one that's like most used by the financial markets. Um, over the past, I think, three years, um, the regulator of the water company has connected the price increases that the water companies are allowed to make to a different inflation measure, which is called CPIH. So that's Consumer Price Index with housing costs as well. Okay. Um, and that's pretty much always come in lower than RPI. So they're paying out RPI on their debt and they've got CPI coming in on the bills that they charge to customers. Um, so if there's a big spread between RPI and CPI, as the, there's a huge spread at the moment. It's like a, a sort of historic high point right now because inflation's running so hot in the, in the UK. Um, then that really hurts Thames Water. They're supposed to have inflation on one side, inflation on the other side. They do, but they've got the wrong kind of inflation. Yeah, there's a mismatch between yeah. the two. Are there any other regulatory changes that are causing issues? I guess over the last few years, um, off what the water regulator has been kind of looking into uh, financial resilience measures a bit more um, for kind of obvious reasons, given all the headlines we've had lately. But they're also looking at reducing the gearing uh, these companies are allowed to run within their sort of regulated base. So that's for Thames Water, that's inside the whole business securitization, and it's essentially a loan-to-value type concept. So in the next licensing period, they're going to be forced to run a lower um, loan-to-value, so a higher proportion of equity to debt, which is kind of exactly the wrong thing to do at this point. You kind of, these companies need more capital. That's what they're saying that, um, that Thames Water needs. So if you're amping up the capital requirement even more for kind of regulatory reasons, that kind of exacerbates the problem um, longer term. They've also added in an objective that I personally believe in, which is that um, water licenses should include an environmental objective. However, that also costs money, of course, which is the thing that is in short supply right now at Thames and some of the other water goes. So that's probably also going to put pressure on on the business structure down the road. Yeah. Okay. Um And I guess the threat of nationalization might be no longer on the horizon for now. But you sort of explored in one of your articles the various ways that, you know, if the government were to take over, it could trigger, you know, change of control under various debt instruments. Um, Could you maybe take us through some of those? Sure. I'm not going to go too hard on the the deal docs because I I don't have them in front of me. But like the, the basic 
point is that it's super hard to unpick the whole business securitization. There was some sort of very excitable commentary and questions going around, um, I think the last week of June, you know, will they have to repay the whole sort of 14 billion of regulated debt um, at, a, at a make whole kind of level? Um, is that how nationalization would work? In my view, absolutely not. Um, because the likely way that any kind of nationalization or takeover would work is to keep that whole business securitization structure basically in place and just change the shareholding. And that's not a change of control in the whole business securitization sense. The, re the only requirement if the um, owner of the hold code changes uh, is that you have to notify the bonds uh, inside the whole business securitization. It's a change of control for the high yield, but I mean, frankly, I think the high yield and equity is getting toasted if you go and see a nationalization scenario. There is a different kind of nationalization called a special administration regime, which is particularly brutal, but the requirements for, temp for to use that tool are very, very high in terms of what kind of failure Thames Water has to be experiencing. A company that's basically doing all of its normal stuff and still has 4 billion of liquidity on hand is nowhere near those requirements. So in my view, that was a complete red herring when that kind of rumor came out. Like I can't see that working. Yeah, I mean, so the CEO is going to come, interim CEO has come out and said they have 4.4 billion of liquidity, which you mentioned. And the shareholders have come out and said they'd provide 750 million on Monday, but they still need 2.5 billion between 2025 and 2030. I understand the shareholders have committed to do this, but it's based on certain conditions. Um, I mean, how likely do you think that this this will come through? So this is a really interesting question because it kind of gets to the heart of the political dilemma about how you regulate water companies. So Thames Water hasn't set in terms of water and their shareholders haven't said what the conditions are for injecting the additional two and a half billion um, down the road. And the way water regulation works is it goes through certain license periods. Each license period, you kind of renegotiate with the regulator how much you can charge, what you're going to do, how you'll fulfill the terms of your license. So they're saying they'll put in the 2.5 billion in the next license period under certain conditions. So we can speculate that the certain conditions are basically they're allowed to make some money. You know, these guys are not charities. They're not going to just throw money down a big pit if they can never get it out. So the license conditions are going to have to be somehow sufficient to allow them to not only service their investments, make the required environmental changes, but also probably to cover um, payments on the hold code debt and then payments further up and back to themselves, basically. They will want to see a stream of dividends happening in the future they will want to see a path to getting some return from owning this asset which is fair enough in sort of ordinary capitalism but um it's a pretty sensitive time for the regulator the water regulator to come around and say sure no problem you guys uh you chinese fund abu dhabi fund like make a nice profit out of this essential infrastructure they're getting absolutely um roasted in certain corners of the press already, um, this is not a time to be striking a positive deal. But if they don't strike the positive deal, the two and a half billion doesn't come in. Yeah, I mean, I suppose they haven't received dividends for what the last five years. Um, so I guess the question is whether they would be willing to stump up more cash. The company has also been criticized in the press for its poor management. Not only does it have the most debt, but it's the leakiest water company in the UK, losing the equivalent of up to 250 Olympic sized pools every day. It's also faced flack for its environmental issues. 
It's currently facing a £3.3 million fine for sewage dumped in Sussex. Owen, what's your take on the company's environmental track record? Um, Well, I think the current situation is definitely not satisfactory, right? Nobody wants um, sewage in the rivers. Nobody wants like poor quality environmental controls. Um, Thames Water has clearly been failing in this respect. Um, There are some changes that might be coming. So the the London Super Sewer, the Thames Tideway, um, which is an independent company from Thames Water, but Thames Water has an interest in it. Um, this is one of the largest infrastructure projects in Europe. It's an enormous tunnel down the middle of the Thames, basically, which is kind of future-proofing the whole of London's sewage uh, management for the next um, however many years. Like, basically, London's water sewage system is Victorian. This is making it 21st century. So that comes online in 2025. I think you probably see a, a big improvement just from from that existing. Um I think the broad structure of environmental regulation around water has been pretty weak. Actually, no one's been in the corner of, of the environment. The regulator has been primarily concerned with keeping customer bills down um, and managing kind of cost of capital in the water companies. The water companies, to an extent, don't care one way or the other. They, If they're allowed to invest in infrastructure, they'll just pass that cost straight on to customers if they're allowed to do so. Um, there's no one that's really been championing the sort of tens of billions of investment that we need countrywide to kind of get rid of lead pipes, get rid of sewage leaks, build reservoirs, future-proof the kind of water and sewage system of this country. There is no constituency really arguing for that, and there's still nobody that is actually prepared to pay for that. Ultimately, it's going to be the bill payers, but no one seems ready to have that conversation yet. I mean, off-water being questioned by the MPs this week um, for being a bit too lax. Um, what's your take on on, on all that? Uh, I think off-what mostly did what they were told to do. Like, the regulator had a pretty set mandate um, and it didn't have a huge amount of opportunity to kind of color outside those lines and and come up with its own version of of what that looked like it was as i say mostly designed to keep customer bills down and and actually it did like um uk water bills have been low by international standards and the sort of uh you know you can drink the water from any tap in this country that's not the case even in a lot in a lot of countries in in europe it's not uh it's very high quality water in in most of this country so they've achieved a certain goal and failed in a bunch of other goals but i would question whether they were really given the mandate to go after um you know environmental protection in the way that we would have liked to see um the question of corporate capital structure certainly historically off what has been quite relaxed about that and said okay that's kind of a matter for the companies if companies want to run a lot of debt then that's a risk for the equity um I think they've changed that in recent years, but actually that original thesis is kind of playing out, right? Thames Water ran a lot of debt. Um, it has some shareholders who are getting roasted in the press and having to dig deep and find maybe an extra two and a half billion and put in, haven't, as you say, received any dividends for, uh, yeah, I think five five or six years. Um, these guys are not having a great time. Um, so yeah, they, they ran more risk and they are suffering for it. So 
I think you could say the original off-what thesis is um, has been borne out. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, we've touched on a, quite a lot of subjects there on Tames Water, but that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks for joining us, Owen. Uh, my pleasure. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. We love hearing from you, so if you have any feedback, reach out to us on team at ninefin.com. Also tune in next week for the US edition of Cloud9fin, and we'll be back the week after that. See you then.